ladies and gentlemen, welcome Aaron Nagler. Packers Nation, give it up for Tom Grossi. We are here at 1265 Lombardi. Big B, nice to meet you, Big B. The thoughts from the Chicago Bears. They suck. Nobody pass protects like the GOAT, Jamal Williams. The GOAT! <laughs> we might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. Grab a Dr. Pepper and join us every week to talk all the latest surrounding 1265 Lombardi. What is going on, everybody? This is Joey of Underage Packers, welcoming you to episode 35. Today, I, I am, as always, joined by my fantastic co-host, Big B. What is happening? Now, Big B, I have to ask you the question, especially, you know, we got the news yesterday that Jamal uh, was limited as a close contact to A.J. Dillon. So the people want to know, if Jamal does test positive for COVID, are you going to find the cure? Um, I'm already working on it. Uh-huh. Um, it is, it is in the process. All right. Well, today we have a special guest, uh, T preview the game that might not happen on Thursday. It might not happen at all this week, but we are super excited to have him on. He's coming fresh off his prison sentence. Please welcome to the show, Andy Herman. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. Listen, uh, people have been asking me about getting a backdrop for forever. It had nothing to do with me, you know, doing the YouTube video. I said, if I'm going on Underage Packers podcast, I have to bring my A game. So there you go. Uh, it was time for me to step things up and, uh, you know, make it look not like a prison cell. So this is for you guys. This, I didn't do this for me. I did this for you. We have high standards here. We expect very good background. I, I get it. Uh, I have Tim O'Dea on my background who literally nobody knows, but it, it's a great, a great joke on Instagram. Uh, so <laughs> today we're going to be talking uh, with Andy, not about uh, some possible wide receiver we traded for because we were recording this before the 3 p.m. trade deadline, uh, but we'll be talking a little bit about Brian Gutekunst there, uh, the hottest subject right now, Mike Pettin, 49ers game coming up in the and the COVID situation. Uh, so let's start off. Uh, like we just said, we don't know if a trade is going to be made in the next few hours. But, I mean, I, I think really it, with a lot of people in the Packers fan base, some people, you know, are just idiots. There will always, always be people like that. But it seems like he has a general reputation as someone that is going to be involved in a lot of different calls for trades or signing free agents. But he never really seems to take that step. He knows where his value lies. Uh, do you think that reputation is a fair one of Brian Gutekunst? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, you know, he said he wanted to be involved in all the conversations, which I think has been a step in the right direction for the Packers. Mm -hmm. I think what people don't necessarily maybe give him credit for or recognize is that when you go out and you sign Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, and Billy Turner in a day, <laughs> um, that's going to eat up a lot of your availability to make, you know, some major moves over the course of the next couple seasons. So mm -hmm. when they do that in 2019, that was really kind of their all in move. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways it worked, it got them to an NFC championship a season ago, they're competing again this season. So um, to say that, you know, he just kind of sits on his hands and, and doesn't do anything. I don't think is certainly fair when he did go out and again, in, in basically a 24 hour period and sign a starting safety, starting offensive lineman and your two starting edge rushers. So I think when you go out and do that, you know, it was always going to limit them to what they were going to be able to do this year, especially when you consider already, but even without a potential 
you know, less in salary cap next year because of the COVID situation. Mm-hmm. It was already going to be very difficult to make additional moves when you have Kevin King and Bakhtiari and Lindsley and Jones and, you know, your guy, Big B, Jamal Williams, of course, number, you know, priority 1A uh, of that list. Um, you know, it was already going to be difficult to, to go out and spend a ton of money this year. I think he did everything that he could to try to sign some value-free agents. I think he's got really good value out of Rick Wagner. Unfortunately, Funches didn't work out because he opted out of the season. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Christian Kirksey when he comes back. But it's not – there's all different ways to acquire talent and, and, and make your team better. I think he went aggressive in free agency in 2019 and really for about a, a three probably year period, those were his major moves. We just got him up front and, and it's going to limit him a little bit on what he's going to be able to do from a, a talent acquisition standpoint moving forward. Yeah. And I think another thing to add to that and just Brian Gutekind's how he manages, he knows the pack culture. Uh, he's not going to go out and sign Antonio Brown. Apparently uh, he, he was in the races for him, but he knows what types of players he wants. Um, Big B, do you think the moves he's made so far uh, really outline that? Just the Ted Thompson culture, and especially, you know, like you said, making some splashes in free agency. Ted Thompson would never really do that, but he's definitely stayed on the conservative side uh, when it comes to those. Uh, And another one that I want to talk about is uh, the wide receiver. It's been talked about since – uh, April, May, ever since the draft process, it's a really interesting one. Uh, some fans have really been calling for one. Uh, do you think some fans undervalue, especially, you know, we're looking back at before the season started when we had Alan Lazard and uh, Devin Funches both, do you think uh, fans really undervalued the talent and situation we had at wide receiver and even now? I think to some extent, you know, people have been, you know, spot on with the overall evaluation of the talent at wide receiver. But I think what people fail to recognize is the overall talent of the weapons that Green Bay can put out on the field at any given moment. So it doesn't, it, it, there's five eligible players, right? It doesn't always have to be wide receivers. And I think when you have the ability to go out and put Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams and maybe Robert Tunyon and Jay Sternberger and Aaron Jones on the field at the same time, um, those are five very strong um you know, performers that can beat you in a lot of different ways. And it allows you to be more versatile than if you had, you know, just three or four wide receivers, but didn't have the tight end or running back. So I think this team has a lot of talent on offense. And I think we've started to see maybe just how important Alan Lazard was. I don't think the offense has been quite as effective with him out. I think they've had to kind of go in different directions. And I do think it's still fair to question the overall depth at wide receiver, right? So after Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard, we haven't seen MBS or EQ or Darius Shepard or Malik Taylor really step up in any sort of consistent fashion. So I do think it's fair to question that. And while when Adams has been out, they've been okay on offense, I think they've missed Lazard. And I do think when you get into some of those situations late in games, like against Minnesota and Tampa, where you have to kind of throw your way back into the game and you can't do all the jet sweeps and you can't do the play actions and you can't, you know, rely upon, you know, some of the, you know, just intricacies of the offense. At some point, your wide receivers have to just go out and beat the corners that are across from them. And I think in some of those situations where Green Bay's been down, that's been a little bit of a struggle. So I get the the want for maybe a, a player like Will Fuller to team with Lazard and, and Adams, but I still think that this offense has more than enough talent and more than enough weapons overall to compete with any team on any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I, So now, Big B, I got to ask you, you know, Matt LaFleur, ever since he came here, he's obviously – value tight ends and receiving running backs very high. Do you think 
this offense can still be – I mean, we saw really weeks one through four. Do you think they can be a top, top offense without three or four top-end wide receivers? Well, yeah, because you have Robert Tunyon, um, Jay Sternberger, mm-hmm. Big Tunyon. Dog, um, Jamal Williams, all these threats who can – got running backs who can play out wide. Yeah. I, I think we're fine. Yeah. And it's just like, especially with the way Matt LaFleur utilized them, I think uh, week one against Minnesota and week two, he really showed his play calling versatility. Um, let's move on now to the, the big scare yesterday morning of A.J. Dillon testing positive for COVID. Um, so, so, you know, let's talk a little bit about Aaron Jones now. Um, obviously, he hasn't tested positive for COVID at this point. Um, but do you think right now with his injuries as, as serves right now, and he might be limited as a close contact. How far do you think we are out uh, from seeing Aaron Jones and Andy? Yeah, really tough to say, but the, it looks like there was some breaking news. So Big B, you might need to, you know, sit down for a second. Uh, I already saw it. Yeah, right. Jamal Williams and Kamal Martin, both high-risk contacts. So they're out for five days, which means if the game does go on uh, Thursday as planned, that both of those players will be out. So uh, not great news there. Big B, do you need a second? Yep. <laughs> He had a rough day yesterday, rough day for Big B. Yeah, not, not great, but you know, it's really tough to tell the answer to your question, you know, where Aaron Jones is in the rehab process. I think it's safe to say that Green Bay is going to always err on the side of caution. Now, when you don't have AJ Dillon and Jamal Williams already for this game, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe that, uh, you know, pushes up that timeline. But to be honest, I I don't think that it will. I don't think that they're going to put Aaron Jones in any sort of compromising situation if they don't feel like he's ready to go. Uh, And and frankly, I think that's the right move. I think they maybe got a little bit lucky in the fact that Tyler Irvin probably hasn't been involved in the running back rooms because he's been with the wide receivers so much. So the fact that they could still have Tyler Irvin and Dexter Williams available at running back, um, at least gives them some option and they don't have to go five wides potentially. It sounds yeah. like there was no other positive COVID tests. So it, you know, if that remains the case, I would expect this game to go on as planned, but uh, not having, you know, Kamal Martin and Jamal Williams is certainly going to be difficult and, and hopefully fingers crossed, maybe Aaron Jones is able to go. Yeah. And with Aaron Jones injury, we've sl- certainly seen uh, Jamal these past two weeks. I-, I think in Houston, he's a phenomenal. I think in, uh, this past week in Green Bay against Minnesota, he was really asked to do too ma- much. Do you think Big B, Matt LaFleur, uh, I-, I don't think it was really undervaluing or overvaluing uh, Jamal Williams' talents, but do you think he relied a little too much on what Jamal might be able to do? I mean, I got all the hopes. I got the highest hopes in the world for him. Mm-hmm. But it just feels like he just was trying to do too much, you know. Yeah, I even said that we need Aaron Jones back as soon as well, possible. Yeah, I was surprised to see that tweet. And I think the biggest thing is like, you know, when you're doing five-yard checkdowns with 50 seconds left in the game, that is not not the best look and not putting your running back in the best situation. Uh, let, let's preview here. Let's take a look here at the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, the past two matches we've had against them were not too pretty. Uh, and right now, after I think – Kyle Shanahan, when he's watching that tape last week, he is just smiling from ear to ear, uh, seeing that Packers haven't changed, uh, especially on the run defense. Uh, do you think, again, we can expect a 300-yard running game for uh, 49ers, Andy? 
I think if you do, I think it, it could very much seal the end for Mike Patton, because at what point, you know, if, if you can't beat the San Francisco 49ers and, you know, with a skeleton crew on offense, you know, it's not going to get any better than that, you know, as a, as a yeah. defensive coordinator, you basically have, we'll see if they have Kevin King or not, but for the most part, you have all of your players of significance on defense and the 49ers are running with a preseason squad. So if as a defensive coordinator, you can't figure out Kyle Shanahan's offense with that crew, it's not going to get better than that. So I think you're going to see better offenses and, and better running games and better teams than that. So I think this is a really big game for Mike Patton and, and against this 49ers team. You know, I still think you know, as to your point, uh, Joey, I think um, Kyle Shanahan was cackling at times, you know, watching the tape because uh, you go back and watch it. And there were so many cutback lanes for Delvin Cook, some that a lot that he took advantage of, some that were out there that, you know, he I think he even could have potentially had a few more yards on, which is certainly saying something. And that's a key component of that 49ers running game is the ability to hit those cutbacks, you know, and, and just, you know, run you into oblivion. We saw it a season ago. I, I legitimately think Jimmy Garoppolo didn't need to throw a pass in the yep. NFC championship game. And they would have ran away with literally ran away with that game. So um, we'll see, this is going to be still a, a, a difficult game because of what uh, the 49ers strength is, even with the players that are missing and the, the Packers weaknesses. But I, I think green Bay has to find a way to step up stop the run, make Nick Mullins beat you down the field. And uh, if, if he does it, tip your cap. But th this is a, a put-up-or-shut-up game for this defense. Yeah, not only to really bounce back from that really bad performance against Minnesota, but also just to prove that you can beat that that 49ers team. Uh, Big B, like, like Andy just said, Jimmy G is out for this week and for some weeks falling, uh, as, as well as Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Do you think – uh, those really have those injuries really have any effect on the game considering what the 49ers game plan was in February? Hell, I don't know. I mean, they're probably gonna kick our ass anyway, throw a few punches, yeah, even with like the whole team being backups. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I think it, well, in January in the championship game, they could have had Brett Hundley at quarterback and we would still have the same outcome, unfortunately. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Mike Pettin now. Obviously, I think the biggest thing, the most obvious and annoying thing, would be his lack of his lack of rushing the passer, as well as uh, keeping his cornerbacks back. We just had a whole episode the other day talking about having so many examples of Mike Pettin Pettin letting up his corners. Um, do you see him? I think you said this is really his final test. Do you see him? possibly leaving midseason and who do you think is a, a possible candidate to replace him in-house I think no matter what it would still be some level of surprise if they made a move in season just because mm -hmm. it, you know those things don't characteristically happen uh, but every once in a while you'll see a, a move made and it, it can kind of galvanize a team if they did make that type of move I would absolutely expect it to be somebody in-house I would expect mm -hmm. maybe Jerry Gray um, or maybe like a Mike Smith, a, a outside linebacker. I wouldn't expect them in season to to go outside and bring it every you know anyone else in, especially with you know them having to get in the building to pass COVID protocols, everything like that. It's there's just no way that happens. So it would have to be somebody in the building. Um, they do have some you know some candidates certainly there that would make some sense. Uh, but I, I still think the odds of it happening, even even if San Francisco crushes them, I, I still think you know what, maybe 50-50 is probably even aggressive at that point. But I'm yeah. with you guys. I think I think the really frustrating thing from this last game was how much off coverage there was against Kirk Cousins. And 
I understand the want to play more off coverage in today's NFL and make teams beat you, uh, you know, by dinking and dunking down the field and going, you know, 75 yard drives and stuff like that. And really trying to limit explosive plays. If you look at the analytics, you know, explosive plays are, you know, right there after turnovers and in ways to kind of get beat in the game. And for the most part, they've done a pretty good job limiting explosive plays, but it does it really matter that much if you don't allow explosive plays, if they can drive down 12 plays, 75 yards, score a touchdown. And now also it keeps your offense off the field. Yeah. And it, also at some point, two things. One, you have to adapt, right? So if, if there's a windy conditions and Kirk Cousins has been throwing picks all season long, like, come on, get, get up, trust your cornerbacks. And again, if they get beat and Kirk Cousins beats you with his arm in windy conditions, tip your cap and live to see another day. But having him not have to complete a pass over 10 yards, like you just didn't evolve and, and understand the, the conditions of that game and, uh, you know, make the necessary adjustments. So I think there's that. And I just think overall that this was a, a disappointing performance from the Packers defense. I think the, the team, the team dynamic there at, at some point I watched, uh, you know, some of the, the Vikings, you know, tape on defense uh, already. And you could see like the team moving as a unit, you know, as they were trying to get to the ball carrier and, and things like that. The, the, the Vikings defense looked like 11 guys playing together against the Packers offense. The Packers defense looked like 11 guys just doing their own thing, you know, trying to, trying to figure it out. So I, I think something's got to give, I think it unequivocally needs to get better. And if it doesn't, I think we already know that this season will end disappointing in some way, shape or form if they don't figure out a way to improve. Yeah. I think your statement of not playing together as a team is really noticeable uh, especially comparing it to last year, we had the Smith Bros. He had a lot of chemistry, it felt like, on the defense. And last year, we were complaining about the offense most of the time. Um, what do you think is the biggest blame, especially uh, with Sedarius and Preston Smith um, and Rashawn Gary? I know they're all facing injuries. Uh, but what do you think, what is missing from last year's defense? Yeah, I think the first thing, so, you know, you mentioned the pass rush earlier. Well, it's difficult to have, uh, you know, get your, your pass rush in when, you know, the team's just running the ball down your throat and you don't get in any second and third and long situations. Right. So yeah. I've said multiple times, you kind of have to eat your vegetables on early downs and, you know, kind of go through the grunt work and do the, you know, the grind of making sure that they're in second and nine, second and 11, third and eight or longer type situations so that you can go and get after the quarterback. But I also think to your point, even when they have been in some of those situations over the course of the last, you know, four or five, six weeks, we haven't seen the same Preston Smith. We haven't seen the same Zedaria, you know, Zedaria Smith. We haven't seen the same Kenny Clark. We haven't seen that jump from Rashawn Gary. So those guys all, you know, the, the, the cream of the crop has to play better. If, if you end up with a, you know, a good, but not great Zedaria Smith, a bad Preston Smith an average Kenny Clark and a, a Rashawn Gary, that doesn't take a jump again, you're, you're not going to be able to make, the the jump and, and have the defense that you want and again the, the season's probably going to end prematurely in short of your goals so those guys the high paid players have to play better Jair's playing great at corner I think Amos has played really well at safety the last couple of games you have some guys stepping up here and there but it has to be a cohesive effort and those guys all have to make a concerted effort to be better and even at least somewhat close to what they were a season ago. And I know there's been some injuries. I know there's been some extenuating circumstances, but um, at some point you need your top paid players and, and top players to respond. Yeah. So, I mean, the pass rush is pretty bad. Uh, the pass defense, Jair Alexander, like you mentioned, she's playing great. Obviously we've hurt without Kevin Keene, but big B, do you think there's any hope, uh, 
to really hold the 49ers run game to anything less than 100 yards? Well, you got to tackle. I mean, that's yeah. literally it. You just have to tackle. That is a big thing. And, you know, it's just like, um, got to say, when you're throwing Raheem Moser out there as an undrafted free agent and he's like able to run all over you, it really doesn't matter what type of injuries 49ers have. It just matters who Kyle Shanahan is game planning against. Uh, let's move on to the Packers offensive side, uh, which is a little more pretty. Uh, obviously, we're hoping we'll get those three big injuries, those players that are injured back of Alan Lazard, David Bakhtiari, and Aaron Jones. Um, but what do you think, Andy, is the key? Because I think even in that Houston game, in the past three weeks after the bye, we've seen a lot, a worse offense than we saw in weeks one through four. What do you think is the key to see that powerful offense all 17 weeks. Yeah, I think, you know, as you mentioned, getting some of those players back would certainly help. I think the Tampa Bay game was a little bit of a, you know, a fluke with a couple nuances there. The pick sixes, I think they get behind. Tampa's able to tee off. I think things just kind of didn't go according to plan there a little bit. Played better against Houston and then, uh, you know, really came out of the gate and played well for those first two drives, go right down the, the field, score two touchdowns. And I think sometimes it gets lost of just how difficult of a situation that puts the offense in when the defense can't stop the opposing team at all. You know, they go down, they score a touchdown, they get that seven, nothing lead. And then all of a sudden Minnesota, you know, scores a touchdown and erases it immediately. They go down, get a 14, seven lead or, you know, earn another lead and the defense immediately gives it back. By the time they get the ball back, they have time for one little handoff before half then have to kick off. And what does Minnesota do? They get the ball, go down and score another touchdown. And now you're on offense and you're thinking, man, besides the one play before half, I've, we've had the ball two times. We've shoved it down the Vikings throat where we got 10 minutes left in the third quarter. We've scored every time. Basically we've had the ball and we're down by seven. Like how, you know, how demoralizing is that for the offense? And it just puts a tremendous amount of pressure on Matt LaFleur and on the offense as a whole that feel like it just feels like you have to execute everything perfectly because if one thing goes wrong, the the defense isn't going to be able to stop the opposing offense. And we saw that happen. I think Matt LaFleur is maybe a little bit aggressive going for it on fourth down on a couple of occasions, not saying that I wouldn't have, but that's the type of pressure that you start to feel. And then, you know, they, they punt on that first drive and are actually turn the ball over on downs, if I remember correctly. And then Minnesota goes down and, and scores another touchdown. All of a sudden it's 28 to 14. And again, you're just out of rhythm. Now, all of a sudden the, the play actions, the jet sweeps, the motions, all that stuff doesn't matter. Minnesota's not looking at the eye candy anymore. They're just saying, you know what, you can do all the flashy stuff that you want. We're just going to play back, sit here and cover two, and we're going to make you, you know, dink and dunk down the field. And we're not going to give you anything. And we're not going to care about all that other crap. So I think they do need to be better when adversity hits and they get down. Um, But uh, to the same point, I think it starts with playing complimentary football, special teams, being able to set them up in better uh, situations. Uh, The defense, not, you know, giving up 28 points on the first four drives of the game, boy, that would help. And uh, I think the offense, um, you know, you know, being able to continue to score consistently and, and get back into those games Uh, would help too. And obviously against Tampa Bay, not throwing basically two pick sixes, that doesn't help the defense either. So in the losses, it's kind of everything jammed together. And if you're not playing complimentary football, those things can go to crap relatively quick. Yeah, that complimentary football is a big thing, especially, and it really goes both ways. When defense, you can't have any confidence in your defense, even though it is when you're not going to have any confidence to just kick a fuel and then put your defense back on the field. Um, and that could have had a big impact on the game. So, Big B, do you think 
uh, down the line here, what does the defense have to do to give the offense faith in them? Again, tackling. <laughs> like, just it, just get a stop. Just yeah, get more than two third down stops in a game. Got to force a couple turnovers too. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those big plays so far this year. Um, let's see here more specific about the 49ers game. Uh, let's hear, Andy, what is your big key matchup against 49ers whenever this game happens? That's a really interesting question. I almost have to think of it of like who's still left for <laughs> the, the San Francisco 49ers. I think we kind of talked about it. I think this is Kyle Shanahan versus Mike Patton. I don't think mm-hmm. that this is, you know, the, the Packers have more talent on defense than the 49ers have on offense. I think the Packers have more talent on offense than the 49ers have on defense. There's no, you know, there's not going to be any significant crowd, if any, in the stands. Um, as far as I'm aware, there's not going to be any crazy weather conditions. This is a game that, you know, outside of having to travel to Santa Clara and play on a short week on, on a Thursday night, this is a, this is a game that Green Bay has the advantage on from a talent standpoint and everything else. So how do you lose this game? You know, yep. you lose this game specifically probably on Kyle Shanahan, you know, just completely out scheming uh, Mike Patton once again. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that that's going to be the case, but I think that's the matchup that I want to watch. Um, I want to see, you know, what Mike Patton's doing to answer Kyle Shanahan. If, if Kyle Shanahan comes out and he's two steps ahead of Mike Patton again, again, that's a, mm-hmm. that, that's damning in, in some way, shape or form. So um, that, that, I think that's the only thing you're concerned about at this point, right? I don't think there's anything that's super concerning about Nick Mullins and Jermichael Hasty and uh, you know, the, this, this 49ers team without George Kittle at tight end, Brandon Ayuk as the number one wide receiver who's playing well, but again, they, they just don't have the overall talent. So just yep. go out, do your job. Don't get out schemed. Don't get out coached. And, and hopefully this should be a victory for green Bay. Big V, what would you uh, label as your key matchup for the game? Would you tend to agree with Andy's police work? Yes. How about that? Yes, I do. All right. Quoting the great Aaron Nagler. Uh, yeah, I would pretty much agree there. I think even in week eight on that Thursday, or was it Sunday night game last year, uh, George Kittle, he scored some touchdowns to put the dagger in, but really uh, in both games, their passing game was non-existent. I'll, I'll go with the same thing, really, just tackling and doing anything to stop whoever's at – running back uh, for the 49ers and then uh, to end it off one last question I, I'm really interested to hear your answer in Indy um, is especially in these past two losses Matt LaFleur whenever he he goes down big or even the offense they can never they never have a respond responding answer they never have an adjustment uh, what do you think what do you think is the reason for that yeah, I think as we kind of discussed earlier, a little bit of it is that that talent question at wide receiver and, and again, needing to go out and, and just execute and beat the corner across from you. I do think it's fair to question the overall fight of this Green Bay Packers team when they get down in games. And, you know, every team's going to have something that they're maybe not great at or, or some sort of weakness, right? And I think Matt LaFleur as a coach has done just ridiculous work in a variety of different ways. He's brought a new offense. He's handled the, you know, transitioning to Aaron Rodgers and that relationship perfectly, which everyone apparently was so worried about coming in. Um, I think he's done a really great job with, with press conferences and handling the media. I think he's done a great job at steaming opening drives and building a, a building a, uh, really an, an image or a team in his image uh, in Green Bay. I, I can't say enough about the, his overall performance as head coach through the first, what, you know, season and a half in Green Bay. 
But I do think it's fair to question at this point is, is one of those weaknesses is one of those question marks, the ability of this team to overcome adversity. Now there's two ways that adversity can hit, right? It can hit um, in game, which I don't think they've done the best at responding to. They did come back mm -hmm. from uh, a double digit deficit against Detroit earlier this season, uh, which is at least somewhat of a positive that they can take away. But for the most part, when they've gotten down um, with, in any sort of significant fashion, this team has tended to fold up a little bit and, and run, you know, not run away, but not, you know, respond to the challenge rather than really fighting to overcome. I look at the Giants Buccaneers game just from Monday night football yeah, the, the, you know, the, the Bucks went up eight and, um, you know, had, you know, Giants went down the field with Daniel Jones and a less constant, you know, less um, talented offense than what Green Bay had. And they, you know, were uh, maybe a pass interference call away at the end from tying that game and going into overtime. They fought mm -hmm. until the very end to try to get back in that game. I didn't see the same thing from Green Bay when they played Tampa and got down. So I do think it's a fair question to ask, and I do think it's going to be something to monitor going forward. And I would absolutely love to see a little bit more fight and determination from this team when those type of situations happen. And then just to end it really quick, the other obviously adversity is what happens in season and, you know, just, you know, throughout the course of a year. And this is the one that I'm really interested to see at what happens at some point, because I think you can make a strong argument that Matt LaFleur in season hasn't really faced any adversity yet. Yes, there have been times where Devontae Adams and David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones have been out over the course of the last couple of seasons. In 2019, they were almost injury-free throughout the course of the year, at least for, you know, to any significant fashion. Um, they never lost two games in a row. They still haven't lost two games in a row. I'm still intrigued to see at how he and this team overcomes any sort of significant adversity when it kind of hits for the first time. Because we've seen it in the game. I don't think we've seen it, you know, through a week-by-week -week basis yet. Yeah, I do have to say uh... – just like there's no yeah there's no effort after we go down big after the two interceptions in Tampa Bay um Big B if you're in Minnesota here I think the biggest problem in Tampa Bay was just the game plan going in the two interceptions are all obviously hurt that but what do you think went wrong in the second half for Green Bay um probably just getting away from their game plan yeah sticking too far away from it going down by 14 and then getting away from the run game and i i just don't see any urgency when we go down i mean like i mentioned earlier in the show when we're down four or six points and we're doing five yard checkdowns uh six yards away with 50 seconds left well i think that's where we're going to end it off can't thank you enough andy for joining Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. I'd be happy to do it anytime. You guys are killing it. Uh, appreciate the you know the work that you guys do. And uh, Big B, can I get a, a Jamal Williams as the goat before I go? Because I feel like if if we don't get it in some capacity, I feel like I, I got left out here. All right, Jamal Williams is the goat. The goat. There we go. Now we now we've done it. I I appreciate it. You guys are the best. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. Thanks so much for coming on, man.